You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Hortonville, uh, which appears to be a little bit to the northwest of Appleton, up near New London. Of course, uh, you know, looks like just about a little ways away from. Uh, one of our very first affiliates mentioned on the podcast, ESPN Shackton. So shout out to both of those uh, ESPN affiliates. I uh, have not been to the office in Hortonville. I need to find my way up there. But what I do have for you is another portion of the conversation Frank and I had after the scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, so we will have that second part for you. Of course, the person I'm mentioning, Frank, is Frank Madden, the founder of Brewhoop.com and my good friend. So we will get to that here in just a moment. Uh, just a little bit of news today. Uh, we had talked a little bit about how Giannis was out during the scrimmage and uh, had kind of heard that it wasn't anything too serious. And the thing that wasn't all that serious was just, uh, it sounds like a, an ankle injury. Uh, and it sounds like Giannis will be uh, making his way back uh, pretty soon. Um, it, it, just, it does sound like they were just kind of trying to be uh, a little bit cautious with that injury over the weekend, which I mean, I've, doesn't seem seem crazy to me at all uh, to sit him out with an ankle injury. I'm sure uh, knowing Giannis, he desperately wanted to play through it despite the scrimmage not meaning really anything. So just a little bit of an update for you there. And then, of course, uh, we will have the rest of our conversation about uh, the scrimmage from Saturday. So we'll talk a little bit more about all of that. Uh, you can hear some more ab about kind of what we're thinking about some of the tougher roster decisions. We'll talk a little bit about the maker. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Christian Woods. So all of that will be a part of this conversation. I'll mention my uh, love for dribble handoffs. That should be fun as well. Um, and then we actually will have a, a basketball game on Wednesday to discuss. So um, I, I assume tomorrow night uh, Frank and I will get together. We'll talk a little bit about that game, preview it for you for our Wednesday podcast so that you are all ready to go for Bucks, Bulls, in Pfizer Forum on Wednesday. It's all very exciting. Basketball is actually sort of kind of around the world right now. Um, yeah. That should be about it. So, with no further ado, here is Frank getting us back into our conversation about the scrimmage on Saturday. Should we talk about the the big guys? Because I think that was certainly where um, that was kind of the more interesting um, kind of uh, aspect of the scrimmage. I thought, um, and and again, like with with Giannis out, um, you know, look like 
I don't know if I don't I don't think the fact that you know Christian Wood and Thon Maker played a fair bit of power forward is particularly necessarily uh, indicative of how uh, Mike Budenholzer is going to use them. I think it is more reflective of the fact that you've got a crap ton of big men on this roster. So when you do a scrimmage, well, you're going to play all of them. And, you know, with Giannis, you're starting power forward out. Um, there was an obvious hole at the four as well. So we saw a lot more kind of two big lineups than I think we will ever see in the regular season, knock on wood. Um but uh, but it, it was interesting to see those guys operate in those scenarios. Um, you know, I think Wood in particular showed, um, you know, he was a guy who had, I think, 32 percent of his threes in the G League last year. Um, you know, you don't really think of him as like a floor stretcher per se. Um, but I think what we saw from him was really kind of the same stuff that, you know, kind of impressed us in Vegas, which was, um, you know, he he was able to be active around the glass. You know, he had a number of offensive rebounds. Like when he first came into the game, he beat Thon to a couple of rebounds kind of right off the bat. Um, and then really didn't finish much early on, didn't really get many shots early on. But then as the game went on, um, that activity kind of translated into more and more opportunities around the basket, had a number of dunks. And uh, in the latter, in the second half of the game, he had a couple of possessions kind of in quick succession where he basically just faced Thon up and one, he just muscled him, got for a, a land and then, um, got right around him and dunked and Giannis jumped off the bench when he, when he saw that, which was kind of fun. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think Wood kind of showed sort of the full arsenal because then he also stepped out to and hit three out of four from three, one of them top of the key, the other two from the corners. And, and obviously if, you know, he can knock down threes with any type of regularity in addition to having that, you know, athletic um, and, you know, I think, I think again, he has more ball skills than I would say, any of the other big men, just in terms of being able to put it on the deck and, you know, go hard to the rim, use his strength to finish. Um, I think that obviously is, is what makes him interesting as sort of a flyer type guy, especially compared to a guy like Zeller, who's, you know, really just a traditional five. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Wood certainly continue to make his case and we'll be interested to see if he can continue to get minutes in some of these preseason games. Cause look like the fact that it's a really crowded rotation obviously means that it, it's not like Christian Woods just automatically going to get 25 minutes per game in the preseason. Like, you know, it's probably going to, he's going to have some games where he plays a fair bit and probably others where he doesn't play much at all. Cause they're gonna have to get a look at all these guys. But um, my guess is what we saw today. I mean, again, it's just sort of, you know, the more consistently he shows that he can do this kind of stuff, the better. Um, and he did it throughout Vegas and, you know, he's doing it now looks like uh, in to start camp. So, um, you know, if he continues to look like this, it's, I think he's going to make it hard to pass on him, you know, relative to a guy like Zeller when you already have a bunch of other traditional centers. So um, I know we talked about Zeller being kind of the, the favorite just because he's a known quantity, but um, certainly Saturday did nothing to hurt uh, uh, Christian Wood's case. I'm going to feel really bad for Zeller when he inevitably gets cut because I, I, he's an NBA rotation player. Like he just is, he is just, you know, I think going to be a casualty of, uh, of a situation that just is not super favorable to him because I think we've seen, I'm trying to think in Brooklyn, he stepped out to three and was already doing that a little bit with Kenny Atkinson. So like, I think he'll be just fine, uh, you know, stepping out to the three point line and, you know, doing the stuff that Bud wants him to do. Um, and I do think that he, he still shows off. I mean, I, there was another one of those pick and roll plays. I think it was with Brogdon maybe where all of a sudden, 
oh, look at that. Tyler Zeller's wide open underneath the basket and he makes a layup. And it again, it's not exciting. It's not going to look like Christian Wood does when he throws it down with two hands, but it still counts for two points. Uh, and it is still uh, effective, but ultimately like there's no upside left in Tyler Zeller. Like he just is who he is. And you know, if everything was the same, could he possibly beat out John Henson for a job? Maybe. I I don't know if he would for sure, but he, he might be able to. And uh, you know, if it was only for just one year, could he beat out Christian Wood for a job? Maybe, but Ultimately, I think he's just going to end up being a being a casualty to Christian Wood being younger, more exciting, having more upside, and John Henson having a much larger contract and essentially being immovable from the roster. Um, and, and again, I think there's a chance that he finds a job elsewhere. He's been doing that pretty much his entire career. He he hasn't been making uh, a ton of money and a bunch of guaranteed contracts, but he just kind of bounces around and finds himself. And um, I think the, the tough, the thing that's going to make, make it so uncomfortable is I know Tyler Zeller can play against NBA players. I don't know if Christian Wood can, and I don't know if we're going to know that Christian Wood can after a preseason because preseason basketball is not NBA basketball. Um, So to me, I think all the questions that I've ever had about Christian Wood kind of remain. Um, You know, when he's playing against guys that he can beat athletically, he does very well. When the athletes are there that can frustrate him, he gets frustrated. And that can lead to some bad shots and uh, to, you know, some of the, I guess, more like immature decision making that can occur uh, with Christian Wood and has kind of plagued him throughout his career. Um, So I I don't know if we'll get to see any of that in the preseason because I don't know that anyone uh, takes preseason basketball seriously enough. Um, But to me, uh, when someone said, oh, wow, Christian Wood looked really good, I was like, what Christian Wood looked really good in a scrimmage where the Bucks were purposely playing two bigs on the floor at the same time, and those bigs are relatively immobile or thon maker. Like, okay, yeah, I, I I could imagine Christian Wood looking good in that situation. So, um, to me, all the questions about Christian Wood remain. There's no doubting kind of the potential upside that he might have, but also. I mean, those questions, to me, those questions remain questions until they're not questions, which is very obvious. But, you know, at some point, Christian Wood does have to prove it. And he does also have to prove that he's cool with being the 13th guy on an NBA roster because that means you don't play much. And that means you have to find a way to still be a part of the team and and kind of deal with that. So um, I don't know that I learned anything from him, but I would agree in saying that, you know, Christian Wood looked good and I would expect Christian Wood to look good. And he knows what he's fighting for and he's, he knows he's trying to get that. Yeah. I would hope Christian Wood is okay being the 13th man on an NBA roster because he was the, you know, not any man on an NBA roster a year ago. (laughs) So, um, I, I agree, but uh, this summer, like, dude, I mean, we both know that obviously he was holding out for an NBA contract. He was holding out for a better opportunity, and then it never came along. And the Bucks gave him a chance at this, and you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, it does. There is a there is a humbling element to the NBA. Like, you are in the 
top 0.00001% of players in the world. And, you know, you might be a really good basketball player, but compared to all those guys, you're the 13th or 14th best guy. And it doesn't matter that you average 20 a game in summer league and destroyed the green and cream slash black and white scrimmage for the Bucks. Right. But I mean, it's not like he just came out of college or anything. He's been getting the, you know, I mean, the story about him, you know, in 2015 and then not getting picked and, you know, the embarrassment of that and then having to, you know, he gets a cup of coffee in 15, 16, a cup of coffee in 16, 17, doesn't play at all last year. Um, You know, I think it's sort of one of those things like, He's, I think, and actually the interview I saw with him last week, I was kind of surprised, you know, it's, he seems like he, you know, and again, like these, these things are, you know, like three minutes of interviews post-practice. I mean, they don't necessarily say a lot, but um, I don't know. He, he kind of came off better than I expected, you know, cause I kind of like just assumed and what I remember him was being kind of a little bit, you know, maybe personality wise, not being necessarily a guy that like would blow coaches away, <laughs> coaches away. you know, I mean, obviously the, the talent has not been the issue for him. Um, so you hope that he's just sort of, you know, three years in as a professional, um, not sticking anywhere um, that, you know, the fact that he did what he did in summer league, the fact that he did this on scrimmage. I mean, this just sort of is indicative that he's a guy who is taking his opportunity seriously. And, you know, that's kind of all he can do. And obviously we don't, we don't see what happens in practice. Um, so that's obviously probably the, the most important thing at this point. We'll see how the, the actual games look. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, like Zeller versus wood. I'm trying to think of like what a, a reasonable metaphor would this be that off the top of my head, I was thinking like, you know, if you had, if, if you were like, you had five cars for some reason, you know, say things are going well for Eric and you've got five cars, you've got a five car garage and you've got four cars, you know, and you've got like all your favorite four cars or whatever that you drive all day long. And then you got your fifth car. What do you get for a fifth car? Well, Tyler Zeller is like a, I don't know, a Toyota Corolla or something like that. You know, like get you from point A to point B, like, you know what you're going to get? Is it going to be exciting? No, but you know, it's reasonable, <laughs> it's extremely dependable, cheap, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't know what Christian Wood is. This is where the metaphor gets kind of tricky because it's like, I, I guess Christian Wood is like a kind of unreliable sports car or something like that, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but like the bottom line is like, if, if you were having to rely on this to be like your backup center or something like that, then I can understand that, you know, this is what we're talking about the other day that maybe you'd say, well, I, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable with a guy like Zeller. Cause at least I know what he is. Right. Um, but if it's like a guy who who might not play at all or, you know, like is is stuck behind more talented players as is, right? And I mean Zeller, even if without Christian Wood, I mean Zeller might not play ahead of Lopez Henson and Maker, you know, even ignoring Christian Wood's existence. Um, in that case, you know, it's like, well, you know, like keeping kind of the breaking case of emergency guy who's like just a very like plain vanilla type player, um, I don't know that that there's an argument for rolling the dice with that spot, right? Taking a shot on a guy who um, is younger and I think positionally has more versatility, right? Like it's conceivable at least like, you know, if Giannis missed 10 games and, you know, DJ Wilson is still zero and, you know, Ursan's your only other kind of true four, you know, it's conceivable that Christian Wood might get to the point you could actually play him at the four a little bit too. You know, I mean, certainly much more conceivable than Tyler Zeller playing the four. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see just, again, like all, all, t- all Christian Wood can do is just keep showing up every day in practice, every scrimmage, every summer league game, and just do what he's been doing. And that's that's pretty much all, you know, it's just take take every opportunity and, and do what you can. And, you know, he did that again uh, on Saturday. And I think Thon, 
it's kind of interesting because I think especially because, you know, Wood beat Thon to a couple of early rebounds, and then he had a couple of plays where he beat Thon off the dribble, um, you know, for, for buckets. Um, it, nobody, I don't know, people didn't seem to really say that much about Thon, but, you know, when I then ended up doing this box score, I mean, he made five out of six of his twos, four out of seven from three. Um, he did have 10 rebounds. Granted, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like jump off the page, you know, jumping over guy type rebounds, but you know, look, 10 rebounds, 26 points, um, really efficient, 86% true shooting. Wood was 94% true shooting. And again, like we said, um, not a whole lot of interior defense being played regardless in this game. Um, but I thought there were just like a number of plays where Thon just, I, I don't know. Cause the thing that has always like really frustrated me with watching him, well, probably the defensive rebounding and decision-making at times is probably what most frustrates me. Cause I don't demand him to be like this, transcendent offensive player in the first place but um just like how like um just primitive (laughs) offensively his game has been like just the lack of feel um and there were a number of plays today where there was you know rolling to the rim catching dunking um that one play where he it was kind of a busted play and he caught it when just like blew right by Brooke Lopez who obviously isn't very fleet of foot in the first place but you know putting the ball on the floor and actually like getting around like a human being and dunking um you know those are things we haven't really seen Thon do with any type of consistency and obviously if he's actually capable of of doing those things at times um you know his finishing has been just abysmal like his lack of strength around the paint has been um a huge issue with him as far as being an offensive player um you know i think if he becomes a better decision maker and just you know is able to play stronger around the basket um hit you know some open threes which he didn't do last year either that you know that there a lot needs to change for him to go from being a really harmful player, which he was the last two regular seasons, to somebody who actually helps you. Um, and again, like I don't think we saw anything defensively this game. I, you know, again, like if they're going to zone drop, pick and rolls, things like that, I don't think that really plays Thon's strengths. I think you got to switch him a lot more aggressively than than you know maybe what we saw in this game today, but um, or in the scrimmage on Saturday. But um, but you know, again, good on Thon, right? Like you know, go out play get buckets play you know with relatively high energy relative to the competition um that's kind of all you can ask for and um you know again like credit to him you know maybe maybe getting his ass kicked by christian wood uh you know is letting him fire under thon as well And I guess there's probably going to be pe- people that are going to say that, you know, we're, and maybe more me, like I'm, I'm going to be too harsh in all of this. Uh, yeah. Because I, I would say similar stuff about Don that I said about Christian Wood that, you know, like it's all well and good to do it here, but at some point, you know, you have to do it in an NBA game. You have to do it against like more physical players. And, um, the one thing you said that kind of just stuck out to me was that like, I mean, all they can do right now is play with energy and do things. Um, so they got for Thon to be able to do some of those things that we haven't seen a ton of or any of uh, at this point, like it, it can have some meaning because that is something we just haven't seen. And again, it can be in a scrimmage and it can just be in, in a preseason game, but we just haven't seen a lot of those types of finishes. We haven't seen, uh, and again, it is just your ridiculous self-scored box score. Uh, but seeing Thon Maker ten rebounds is like holy shit. Thon Maker had ten rebounds. That okay? That is a step forward. And again, 
they weren't, uh, you know, maybe the most contested rebounds and, you know, maybe he wasn't going straight up against Brooke Lopez, uh, or anything like that, but the, just the fact that he grabbed those, it does mean something. So, um, I will echo a, a pretty similar, uh, a pretty similar thought as, as I had for Christian Wood, like, this is good. You, you know, I need to see it against someone be- bigger and better. But, you know, just the fact that uh, I do almost wonder, it's somewhat similar to what you said, like, has Thon found his perfect sparring partner? Like, is, is Christian Wood the sparring partner that can get the most out of him? That, you know, Christian Wood beats him to a f- few balls and then that fires Thon up and says, okay, that guy's working hard. I need to work harder. And, um, you know, maybe that gets something more out of him. And maybe that only works for camp and then Christian Wood is gone or maybe Christian Wood sticks around and uh, it's great for the entire season. But uh, I do think, you know, maybe there is something to the idea that, uh, having guys around that didn't play like him and playing a style of basketball that, you know, maybe didn't really play to his strengths with Jason Kidd. Okay. Maybe, maybe this will work out better for Thon. And, um, you know, maybe we should be, or at least I should be a little bit more optimistic than I was, uh, after getting to hear Thon talk a, a little bit, uh, last week. So I think a good sign for, for both Thon and Christian Wood and, all they can do is what they did on Saturday. And, uh, you know, you have to hope that you can continue to do that going forward. Yeah. Um, other than those two guys, um, uh, any other kind of thoughts, um, Henson shooting some threes, but also doing kind of some other stuff. I and mean, he had kind of a fast start, um, getting, going to the basket. He finished six out of nine on twos, uh, 16 points, one out of four on threes and Lopez two out of two on twos, four out of seven on three, 16 points on nine shots. Um, any, any thoughts on, on those two guys, given that, you know, they're probably the other two obvious big men that, that we haven't really talked about yet. I like dribble handoffs, Frank. I'm a fan. What can I say? And maybe it's the basketball nerd in me. I don't know what it is, but I, I just feel like that can be a useful way to create gravity out of essentially nothing. Because if, you know, we saw for years uh, you know, John Henson try to get a catch on the elbow and sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't, but him getting that was never to set up a, a dribble handoff for Chris Middleton. And maybe not, I shouldn't never might be a little extreme. Like that might've happened sometimes, but a lot of the times it was just to catch it, let some other people screen. And then he was going to move the ball to the corner or, um, you know, just kick it back out. And there wasn't really anything off it. And now when you see Henson out there, you see Brooke Lopez out there, it's catching the ball from a, a guard. And then that guard immediately cutting right off of them or a different guard coming off of a, a double stagger screen from the other side for a dribble handoff. Like all of that works because the the person they're handing it off to, you have to cover behind that screen because, oh my gosh, they're willing to shoot threes. Uh, so all of it just kind of works together uh, and it, it just makes sense, which is an, a good thing for an offense to do, but um, it, it just feels... It just feels so much more lively. It feels so much more um, threatening. Like that's an actual threat. Like in the past, an elbow catch from a Bucks big meant nothing. Like it, unless it was Jabari or Giannis getting that elbow catch and then the opposite big coming over for a screen and roll. Like 
it didn't mean anything. It just meant this is how the Bucks ran in their offense, and you know the moves that they're going to make off it. Now, all of a sudden, when you you toss it out to them, one, you're thinking, okay, it's John Henson. I don't need to cover him. But now he at least has the shot fake. And then also, if you don't want to cover him and you don't believe in his shot, well, he's going to dribble hand it off to this guy. And since you're in the middle of the lane, that guy's going to have a wide open three. So I don't know. Like I, I, I will say um, maybe I don't necessarily trust uh, the ball skills entirely of John Henson or Thon Maker, um, but just getting to see guys like him and Brooke Lopez do that. And Brooke Lopez has such a huge body that if you go underneath a Brooke Lopez handoff, you're not going to get through it because he's a mountain of a man. Um, so I don't know. Like I, that when if you ask me what I think of those two, seeing John Henson and uh, Brooke Lopez get to do those things, like just kind of excites me because uh, I mean, I think it, it opens them up to some interesting things and it, it creates interesting dilemmas for defenses to solve. Yeah. One thing that'd be interesting will be, I'm really curious. Um, I think Lopez will have gravity in terms of, I mean, we know he can make a reasonable number of threes. He's done that the last two years. Um, and I think teams are going to also play him to do that. I'm, I'm very curious to see how teams, well, A, I guess, like, it, it is a John Henson actually going to shoot corner threes and, and go to those spots, actually look to shoot those? Um, I'm very curious to see if he even tries to do those. And then I'm very curious, like, I mean, you know, we saw John Henson shoot jumpers semi-regular last year and it would always be kind of like wait john henson's shooting yep. a jumper um but it seemed like he had kind of a green light to do that but nobody defended him to do that and so i think that's one of the, the kind of the, the the chicken and egg things of this too is like with lopez you know teams already have the scouting report like he will have gravity they will respect that shot um with henson like at this point there's no reason to like not be thrilled with John Henson shooting a three pointer if you're a defense. So that's, that's kind of one of the things I'm interested in because um, just because you have a center standing at the three point line, doesn't mean that they're actually going to bend the defense in any kind of way. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see like, you know, Henson in particular, because, you know, maker, we know he will want to shoot threes um, teams kind of have a scouting report, not that teams, you know, treat him like, Dirk Nowitzki or something like that. Right. Um, but you know, they certainly pay attention to him more than, um, I think a guy like Henson. So, uh, so I, I'm, I'm really curious to see just how that, uh, how that dynamic evolves, yeah. um, during the season. I think in this scrimmage, it seemed like the bucks, because they were scrimmaging against themselves and they knew what their game plan was. Um, they were playing for that shot a lot more like the bucks defense was not daring, uh, big men to shoot threes so much. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see just like how that, that evolves. Um, anyone else that we haven't talked about? Um, I mean, I guess I don't even like know if I need to say anything about Ilyasova because her son is, is kind of her son. We've <laughs> had a, more than a decade to think about her son. Um, by the way, uh, I forgot who was talking about this, but, but it occurred to me. I, oh, I, I tweeted something last week about how, um, her son is, um, it's so old that he actually wore the Bucks purple Barney jerseys yep. like as a non throwback at one point. Um, his his rookie year, he wore it in the preseason. He didn't play at all that during the regular season, but he wore it during the preseason in the 05-06 season. And then I realized that the only two players in the NBA who wore that jersey that are still active. Do you know who the other player is? I'm I'm not sure if you saw the me tweeting about it, but it's 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 Ursan and there's one other player. 
Um, do you care to even take 10 seconds to think about who might be the other player from pre 0506 uh, or earlier Bucks <sighs> basketball who is still in the NBA? Oh my gosh. Um, because Bogut's gone. Yeah. And Bogut and, and Ursan were the two youngest guys from the last team that actually wore those jerseys. So it kind of makes sense, right? It doesn't but, seem like it's yeah. that long ago. But I mean, that's like 13 years ago that that was the last season of the uh, of the, the purple jerseys. Um, I'll give you a hint. He is also a big foreign white guy who is kind of awkward. Big foreign white guy. That's and awesome. He was, he, was not, he was not on the 0506 team. He was actually on the team the year before. And he was a center, and he was not re-signed when Boga, after Boga was drafted. I have no idea. Give it to me. Zaza Pachulia. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was super young. Yeah. He came over when he was like 19. Um, and then was, <laughs> uh, was not – I think he signed a four-year $16 million offer sheet with the Hawks, which the Bucks did not yep. match and said they gave Dan Godzarich his infamous six-year $36 million contract in 2005. So, anyway – Fun trip down memory lane. Um, yeah, so Ursan, uh, I don't think we need to talk about Ursan. He had, I had him down for hitting three threes, um, five rebounds, no tapa tapas, <laughs> uh, no tip ins, 0 for 2 from 2. Um, but any thoughts on anybody else? Um, Tim Frazier had nine points, five boards, five assists. He actually played a lot um, for a guy who, you know, ended the bench guy. Um, Everything I thought about Tim Frazier uh, definitely kind of played out on Saturday. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, again, he's probably a good body for camp, but there's no way on earth he's making the roster. Like, uh, there's just no way. I, and I would say the flip side though, is that like if Delhi wasn't like, if Delhi didn't exist, um, sure. Like Tim Fraser, like can certainly be your, your third string point guard. I mean, he's obviously 100%. been a backup. He's even started games, right? Like he, is competent enough, right? He just, as you said last week, he just doesn't do kind of the things that sort of move the needle for this team. Namely, he doesn't. He's not a reliable three point shooter. And um, and on top of that, like I, I was talking to Matt Velasquez about this as we were watching. And it's like you know he's the perfect kind of change of pace guard if you have like a a bigger point guard or you know you have a really strong shooting point guard or maybe someone who who doesn't bring a bunch of pace and tempo and. The Bucks have guys that do that. Like you know, the when you think about Bledsoe and Brogdon, like they are kind of perfect, not perfect opposites, but good opposites in that you know they bring very different things. And then you know, Delhi also brings some different things. Maybe not anything that anyone loves anymore, <laughs> or you know, anyone really wants. But also, he brings along a big contract that you have to pay. So you know. I think kind of in a similar vein to uh, Christian Wood and Tyler Zeller and John Henson, like when you think through kind of the, the backup point guards, you know, if Delhi doesn't have that huge contract, like the, the contract Henson has, you know, maybe Tim Frazier does get this spot, but he does have that contract and it's not going anywhere. So, well, that makes it more difficult for me to think you're going to bring another point guard onto the roster. Yeah, I mean, Tim Frazier would have been a welcome addition, you know, last spring when they had to sign Brandon Jennings. But, um, yeah. with, you know, with this with this roster and, you know, three healthy point cards, that, that's obviously not the case. Um, Trayvon Duvall, the, one of the two ways, he was also uh, dinged up, didn't play. Jalen Morris did and doesn't look like a guy that I have any 
feelings on whatsoever. Um, and actually, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, um, if, if they get to the end of camp, um, I'm, I'm very curious, you know, we know Christian Wood doesn't want a two way or he didn't want one during the summer, right? That was his negotiating stance, but then he obviously didn't get, um, you know, a guaranteed NBA contract. If at the end of camp, I'm really curious if, if Wood gets, um, if the Bucks, I'm curious, like if the Bucks would go to Wood and say, will, you know, I mean, because let's be honest, like ditching Jalen Morris or Trevon Duval, like who cares, right? Like neither of those guys, I can picture them really making any type of impact for the Bucks. Um, like it's an interesting question, right? Like if Wood is going to get cut and it's the end of, you know, the, the training camp, it's end of camp where obviously it's harder to get picked up by another team. I mean, if he had like, if he has like a great camp and plays well in the preseason, then, you know, maybe there may be some opportunity to latch on somewhere with a full-time deal. But um, if it's again, kind of thin and he doesn't have an obvious kind of place to play in the NBA. um, I mean, if the Bucks offer him a two way and say, you know, we'll keep you with the big club, basically the first, you know, you know, basically you use up your 45 days, like real quick, get your, your few hundred cat K um, banked. And then, you know, if you want to, if you want us to release you, like we'd consider doing that or whatever. Um, If we don't want to sign you to a full-time deal the rest of the season, right. Cause obviously the bucks could also convert him midway through the season into a, a, a regular contract that, that maybe there's a scenario like that. Um, yeah. Cause that could certainly allow the bucks to, uh, keep him without having to get rid of all, you know, with, and, and keep one more player. Um, and it also would allow Wood to get paid some, some money, some real money, not G league money, um, yep. which, you know, is, is very, very little, right. I mean, getting whatever, like 20 or 30 grand as a top G league player versus getting a few hundred thousand, um, on a two way is, I mean, that, I mean, if, if you haven't had any real NBA earnings like that, that, that could be something you just say like, all right, let's just take it. And then, you know, hopefully you play well and you get a full-time deal either from the box or, or someone else later. So I don't know, just one, one kind of quick thought. And I think otherwise I'm, I'm pretty much tapped out for, for scrimmage thoughts. Well, the good news is Frank, we have gone close to an hour at this point. Actually, I think we've gone over an hour at this point, which means this was actually the second day of the podcast. So uh, a big thanks to everyone who, Got to hear us talk about the scrimmage for two days, but that's just fine. Uh, on tomorrow's episode, we will preview the Bucks' first preseason game. What? Uh, that'll be what we'll do on tomorrow's episode. We'll get you ready for that one as hashtag old friend Jabari Parker comes to town. Uh, we've seen the, the bulls have a preseason game already. So a little bit of a a look at that, but, uh, even more coming up here as he gets to come back and help open Pfizer forum officially with, well, I don't even know. I get they've opened Pfizer forum, but also there hasn't been a real basketball game. And again, I understand the preseason basketball isn't real basketball. So we're just going to go through this exercise all over again. Um, but the first basketball game in Pfizer form will be Wednesday bucks bulls. That's what we'll talk about on tomorrow's episode. We'll get you ready for that one. Uh, and then we'll have a recap of that on Thursday. So for Frank men, I'm Eric name. This has been locked on bucks. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.